It's the end of the year, what a year it was I don't even want to get into everything that made it suck But the future looks bright, at least for coding the web So let's talk about what we see coming up next year instead The last tools day show, the year's almost done So let's talk about the future of the web in 2021 Welcome to Tools Day, a podcast all about tech tools, tips, and tricks every other Tuesday at 2. I'm your co-host, Yuna. And I am Chris. And today we're talking about the web 20, in 2021. 21. And we're sort <laughs> of, like, okay, so at the end of the year, we like yeah. to do these shows in which yeah. we sort of talk about like what happened this year in terms of tech and the web and what we foresee happening next year. So yeah. as things are changing and shifting, we're trying to stay on top of all these web trends. And yeah. that is what today's episode is all about. I like doing recaps. I've probably talked yeah. about that on the show many yeah. times. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a little bit of a recap a show. Retrospective. Retrospective. <laughs> and also there's a lot that's going on in web tech land that is just rapidly evolving that... I'm stoked about for 2021. So yeah. uh, oh, we'll talk about some of those things. But before we dive into it, I want to shout out to today's sponsor, which is OutSystems. OutSystems is a modern application development platform that supports everything you need to build an enterprise app fast. OutSystems provides a visual development environment, powerful automation, and AI-assisted development. Dev teams can accelerate application development and deliver products in days and weeks instead of months and years. Using the OutSystems platform, developers can ensure their applications are secure, resilient, cloud-ready, mobile-friendly, and built to scale. Their platform can save you time and money as your application and business needs evolve. And getting started with OutSystems is easy. Sign up for your own free personal environment, and you'll have your first app built in no time. Check out OutSystems.ms slash Toolsday. So it's OutSystems slash Toolsday, but it's a .ms domain. So it's out. S-Y-S-T-E dot M-S slash Tools Day. Awesome. Yes, thank you for being our last sponsor of the year. Um, also, a little note for all of our listeners, Tools Day is going independent next year. So if you or your company is interested in sponsoring our show in the future, please reach out to us. What's the best way to reach out to us, Chris? Via email? Via email. Dear Toolsday at gmail.com. Yeah. Stoked yeah, about we'll the future, it. but first yeah. let's talk about the past. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Chris, like what was either a dev accomplishment for you or something yeah. that you saw change in 2020 or evolve in 2020 that yeah. um, you felt was like a, a shift or movement forward in the tech industry? Yeah. Um, so some of this is a personal. So, uh, you know, I think the last two years I've always been like, I believe that this year will be the year of state machines. Mm -hmm. um, and each year it really hasn't. Been. State machines <laughs> uh, haven't had their year. They haven't had their year yet. I, I mean, like in certain bubbles, I'll see it, you know, become very popular. Um, but it's always like kind of the super techie Twitter bubble and so um hasn't really spread out too much but something that uh really jumped out at me i think last year i was saying like oh maybe this year will be typescripty and that did turn out true for me where i spent a lot of time with typescript this year in type systems 
to the point where I am now I'm now on this little bubble of Twitter, which is like, oh, maybe we'll be seeing um, a push towards even more typed language and compiled language on the, on the web. Um, there are a couple like really cool uh, SaaS products like, like Figma, which are not JavaScript at all, right? They're actually, um, I think, C++ the entire way through. And it's using Wasm to to power the entire applications, and so I'll be very curious to see this trend yeah. going forward. About this is this is less of, this is more of a retro and a, and a and a and a future about how do we see like the the use of compiled languages on the web versus just our uh, just our JavaScript and HTML and CSS. Um, so that's kind of a it's a bit worrying for me in some some ways because I don't I only know JavaScript, <laughs> um, but it is like one of those things that I keep my eye on. So there was a really great article that you've sort of like brought back to my attention um, that was written by Swix. Um, I, you know who I'm talking about, yeah, right? Sean. Sean. <laughs> so his uh, URL is swix.io and he's Swix, S-W-Y-X on Twitter. And he wrote an article called The Third Age of JavaScript. And I thought that this was really interesting because the idea was that Every 10 years or so, JavaScript completely changes. And so like 10 years ago, we had jQuery. That was sort of like 1997 to 2007 was this first age of JavaScript with like ES1, ES3, Dojo, jQuery, MooTools, all those things. And then we moved into the second age of JavaScript, which was like 2009 to 2019, which was like CoffeeScript, Angular, Backbone, um, Meteor, JS. There was like grunt gulp all those things like webpack bundlers started to really emerge and then react yeah. came to the forefront view you know preact typescript got started babel roll up and then um you know like prettier now we're starting to see like svelte have sort of a rise and like yeah. rome and like dino and like all these sort of newer javascript engines um yeah. so it kind of does speak to your thought process of like things are sort of moving along and like what are compiled languages and you know i hear a lot about wasm too these days and like how we're gonna need to care about performance again soon <laughs> like we yeah. really do yeah i mean it's just one of those things where you know i i just quickly pulled up his his um uh, his article uh and i really agree with it it's one of those things where like yeah you know right now we're we're in this kind of phase right now where like rome if you haven't heard of it, is um, made by Sebastian Markadge. There's two Sebastians on the on the, the Twitterverse, one who and they're both Babel. Yeah, he wrote Babel. I think he wrote Yarn as well. Yeah. Um, and um, he is writing Rome now, which is like supposed to be like what you know he his spiritual successor to to Babel and it's supposed to be like basically everything. It's, it's a type compiler. It's a, it's a bundler. It's a uh, linter. It's, you know, the whole shebang. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, that's super cool. And I'm excited to see those things happen, but like, yeah, I'm, I'm really like tentative of like, Oh, you know, in five years, if I'm still a software engineer, uh, how much do I trust that I'll be just writing JavaScript versus, um, you know, other languages. And so it's like, huh, something, Something to keep in mind. Definitely. And I don't think it's going to be a really rapid transition. I think it'll be a slow transition. Yeah. But I find that it's interesting because I think that people have been talking about Wasm for a while now. And not much has really changed in that ecosystem in the past year. But I still hear people talking about how it is the future. So I, I'm like, I'm kind of hearing like this 
And I get why it would be. It's a lot faster yeah. than JavaScript, but I'm not seeing that much movement in the community around it. So we'll see. I think that we still need yeah. tooling to help that transition and we still need some sort of in between. You know, I think that there's still yeah. ways to get there. But reading this article, like much like in this sort of third age of JavaScript hypothesis, I feel like we're entering this third age of CSS where Ooh. a lot has changed and very much so in sections and bits. And um, 10 years ago, we had this really big shift in CSS3 and new capabilities and media queries and at font face and so much change. And now what I'm seeing is this refocus on layouts and a lot has changed in layout. We got Flexbox, we got grid tooling. This is sort of like this current mm -hmm. age of JavaScript. But what I see next in the future is container queries or element queries. Mm -hmm. And that is something that I think for a long time developers have been asking for, but it's just been unfeasible with the web platform until recently. And now um, we're seeing browsers like starting to experiment with, is this possible? Like, could we actually implement container queries in a way that's performant works in the browser? And what that would yeah. allow is for responsive design to be scoped to a parent. So yeah. instead of being only scoped to the viewport, and to user preferences. So now we have media queries, yeah. not just for sizing, but also for color preferences, for um, motion preferences, for whatever the operating system preferences are, that will then trickle into the browser. That's all awesome. But now, instead of that being reliant on a global scope, it can be a local scope, which is the parent. So you yeah. could have attributes on the parent, sizing of the parent, and have really, truly responsive components that previously yeah. was not possible. And that I think is going to be a absolutely new shift in what responsive design is and what people can build on the web. With design systems, yeah. design systems are going to evolve so much more with that. Yeah, I think, um, uh, so Polaris, speaking of design systems, um, uh, Polaris from Shopify had a post recently about um, building experiences versus components for the design systems. Um, in so much that, you know, a truly worthwhile design system is not just buttons and, and cards, but really kind of helps a company uh, componentize certain experiences that they're trying to, trying to do. I think when you bring component, uh, component, uh, element, component queries, component element queries um, into the, the equation, it becomes so much easier to actually create those kinds of code patterns. Um, you know, I've been trying to pitch this idea at work. So, you know, I work at Netflix and we name everything after Netflix originals. And so I've been trying to, um, to try to, to pitch this idea that our applications are just, it's called a sleeve, uh, which is replaceable, you know? So if you've seen Ultra Carbon before, uh, the whole, whole, the whole, you know, cyberpunk aesthetic is that bodies are replaceable. It's the mind that matters. Uh, and so you can kind of plug it into different. Uh, sleeves and that's just kind of how the world works in, in, mm -hmm. in that universe and in the same way I think you know once we get to a point where components are so powerful and can be so easily plugged in you know the question of what, what is an app really except for you know a bundle of components that are all you know self-sufficient so there'll be, it'll be an interesting shift I think in um, just general app architecture and how we think about how we how we write code so that'll be that'll be a fun a fun thing yeah and I think that this shift right now is really interesting. So I did look it up and it looked like a lot of the CS3 features became uh, candidate recommendations around like 2012, around like 2010, 2012. And 
you know, I don't remember when things actually got released. I don't know why I said 2003. <laughs> what is, I was like, that doesn't seem right What is all. time? Um, so that was about 10 years ago. And so now we're looking at another yeah. sort of shift in. And there's no yeah. more like CSS 3, 4, 5. Like that, it's just yeah. been sort of rolling since then. Just like the naming convention also with like ECMAScript. Um, so, yeah, I think that it's interesting to talk about like how how we think we're building component-based responsive design now. Like we talk yeah. about it in Lego blocks. Like we're not actually building it that way. We're not actually building yeah. things that are Lego blocks. We're building things that are very dependent on context. And yeah. I think that we'll be able to shift away from this contextual responsive yeah. design into a more um, intuitive responsive design, or like mm-hmm. an intrinsic responsive yeah. design, which is also contextual. But when I say contextual, I mean... Right. Um, there's a lot of outside factors that contribute to it. And I think yeah. that we'll be able to write core components that have all the information internally. Now, I don't know yeah. what that means when it comes to size of components, which is why I think that this needs to have some kind of mm-hmm. correspondence with smaller, faster languages, because there's going to be a lot of detail that's written in every single component. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that's, I mean, so, so I think what's happening you know, right now, you, you can accomplish just using like, intersection observer or resize observer and you can kind of you can kind of hit some of these things in javascript um what what having what having element queries will do will make, will make it much easier and like more natural to do and hopefully a bit faster because it should be offloaded into the browser the browser to do it as opposed to you as an engineer uh working on your own application so i'm hoping that whenever this gets released it's released in the state enough where it's like Oh yeah, the browsers have figured out performance, and I don't have to figure it out as well. Uh, otherwise, I mean, I already can do it right, yeah. it right now. Anyway, anyways. So another thing that's interesting that I want to bring up is Houdini. Like in all of this, where the idea of CSS Houdini is this ability to write your own styling language for the browser to read and render, and for that to be off the main thread and more efficient and faster. And I do think that there is. A future in which that is implemented across browser and does help with a lot of these things. App property was implemented this year, which is really cool to see because app property allows for you to write CSS custom properties using syntax and fallback values and mm-hmm. inheritance statements like in your CSS and not just in a separate JavaScript file, which is what you mm-hmm. initially had to do. And I think that like small things like that give a lot of power in a short amount of code. And so yeah. I really hope to see this continue on into next year. I want to hopefully see more browsers embracing Houdini because I don't think it's an answer to a lot of the things that we need to implement on the web as a web platform, but it is a way to prototype things and to give authors more power. Um, So I think, I I don't know if there's going to be like a ton of movement in the Houdini sphere next year, but I'm I'm hopeful that it is. I hopeful. I'm hopeful that there is. I'm hopeful that there's movement there. I recently like came out with a website called Houdini.how with my team, and um, it uses the polyfill that Jason Miller wrote, which is the CSS Paint polyfill, and it shows you that you can write Houdini cross browser. Um, and you know, hopefully, you don't have to use a polyfill for these things in real life. I don't think I'd recommend like something in like a core production website using a polyfill for something that's a just a visual indicator. But with Houdini, you can do a lot more than just visual indicators. You could do layout you could do um animation you could do a bunch of things so yeah just just some thoughts <laughs> this might be a rambly yeah. <laughs> rambly episode 
you know, sometimes when I think about Houdini, I'm just like, I, I, I feel like you also need a push from design side to explore some of the things you can possibly do with Houdini. Because, you know, when I think, you know, I, I am like a relatively set in, set, in, set in stone developer. And so when I look at Houdini, I'm like, how do I use this? Um, um, and so some of this is, is just like, you know, um, you know, there are some effects that, that I wouldn't use, I wouldn't reach for inherently, but like if we push the design, like the design, what, what it means to be a design, like a, an actual web design on, you know, on, on this platform, then maybe we'll see more of it in use because, um, you know, yeah. I guess like people, people don't know you can do these things, right? And so like they don't design for it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm I think that you know how. <laughs> I think that we're also seeing um, sort of a shift. Also, I, I think in the past few years, like the past ten years, we saw the shift towards like designers need to learn how to code, and I think that it has affected design in a way, and it's created this really big world of flat design, which was easier yeah. to implement, smaller product, like more yeah. more performance. Um, you know, that's all really important. But I'm starting to see a little bit of a shift back into texture and um, yeah. more animation and Gradients. away from flat design. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I might be wrong here, but I feel like the conversation about like designers need to learn how to code has sort of mellowed out. And we're starting I to see so. like people yeah. trying to draw from art back into yeah. products yeah i i think almost there's a there's a bit of a reversal thing almost where you know engineers should learn how to design a little bit um i, I think i think that's also true in that i think there are, there are more like prototyping roles or i i see more of those roles in the job market now than, than i did maybe two years ago mm -hmm. um which are basically engineering engineers reporting to a design organization um and so i'll be curious to see how that kind of sh shapes up in the future as well yeah so when it, so i talked a lot about like styling things that i saw yeah. this year and next year are there any like structural things that you saw or like changes with scripting that you found were like something that you noticed i mean i know that you talked about typescript yeah. i feel like that's been happening for a while and yeah. i don't see that changing like people are still moving towards typescript yeah land. In terms of like, like in terms of like JavaScript or like um, app production, um, you know, it's one of those things where I'm I haven't seen a huge shift. Sorry, so let me let me let me step back. Uh, I've seen like kind of gradual shifts. You know, I think a lot, a lot of you know the a lot of the app community has kind of settled on React in some ways, and then we have newcomers like Svelte and Vue three. Um, posing like, oh, here's some new ideas behind development. But I don't think any of them are that um, evolution evolutionary. Uh, mm -hmm. They're like incrementally better. Like I, so I built a Svelte app, and it was, it's like a really straightforward merge from React to, to write Svelte. It, it it writes almost the same. It's just some minor syntax things, kind of the same with Vue, um, and uh, it didn't feel too different. Um, the biggest like thing that felt different to me was writing React Native because the, I was for a different platform um, and there's a different layout layout engine and all that stuff and so I, I, I'm actually not entirely sure you know the, the biggest thing that we always ask for on, on the app side is like hey wouldn't it be nice if the web platform supported virtual lists by default right so that we didn't have to do it ourselves a lot of the apps that I, I create um, you know a, a good chunk of the time at work we're trying to figure out how do we best display large lists 
Um, and those that, that's something that, that's that's inherent in other engines, like like in React Native or in, in mobile development. Uh, the platforms give you um, a flat list by default. You don't have to do that yourself. And so this year there was a virtual scroller um, spec draft that got dra that got created, but then it got um, deprecated. I believe it could, it could stop being worked on by Google. And so I'm not. I'm not like super hopeful of next year for the web I on think, the app side. It's I feel like, like it's, it's a I bit disagree. Of a I feel like with with virtual scrollers, I've seen a lot of like talk on Twitter around that lately, and about how there are some base elements that the web, in my opinion, should be providing for authors. Like one of the things that I want to hopefully push next year is better form control styling because that's something yeah. that we should be able to do, like extensible form controls. And yeah. I think. You know, virtual scrollers, like there's different types of components like carousels too. I don't know. There's base elements like navigation yeah. patterns that are super common that I think that the web should provide some primitives for um, because the primitives of the web that we use are changing. So if virtual yeah. scrollers, for example, are something that people are using commonly, the web platform should provide some kind of yeah. hook into that. Um, we launched on Chromium this year, content visibility as a CSS property that actually helps with performance of virtual scrollers type type things um, by basically not rendering the content until you're about to have it enter on the screen, but it's still in the DOM, so it's still searchable. And that's another problem with virtual scrollers is like, when does that item load? When does it enter your screen? Like the whole parsing of the DOM and DOM manipulation with virtual scrollers is like a whole area. And I think that I think that people yeah. are working on this stuff. I think that this stuff is important. And yeah, I so hope we'll my, see movement. My, my understanding of content visibility though is that it, it does help for certain types of like a large amount of content, but it won't help for like the um so like you know, when I talk about virtualization generally I'm saying And you it's know, not perfect too, yeah. Yeah. Um uh it's 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 so I think the canonical example is like, oh, I have like a list of a thousand messages or something and I want to show them in a, a box somewhere. Um, my understanding of the content visibility metric is that it, it still doesn't help that because the DOM tree is still too big, but I don't, I, I haven't tried it. So actually, I don't know. Um, um, yeah. I mean, like as I mentioned, it's not perfect. There's definitely... Yeah. Um, you're still sending the whole DOM tree. Like you're still sending yeah. all of the content and you don't want to do that. Like you don't want to do that if you don't need to at any given time. So there's also this right. issue with, you know, server-side versus client-side rendering and like at which point yeah. that intersects and that's something that we've yeah. been sort of moving through as a web community yeah. for the past yeah. few years. That's one thing I think I'm, I'm hopeful for for next year. Um, you know, in the React world at least, every meta framework has turned, meta framework being like Next.js, Remix, uh, Redwood, um, um, these kind of wrappers around building an application have, have all kind of moved into this mixture of uh, some server-side rendering, some client-side rendering, some static generation, site generation, um, and then React just released their server component um, request for, for, for comments um, proposal like a, a, this week, last week. Um, so I think on that uh, on that angle, um, app development will get will get very cool. Uh, on the, for at least for React, um, it's not not universal, unfortunately. But you know, f for for the React meta frameworks, that'll, that'll be pretty pretty neat. Um, 
But I don't know. I'm just maybe I'm maybe maybe I'm just a bummer. Maybe I'm just a downer these days. Well, I uh, think it's I think it's like one thing to talk about what we think we should see yeah. in web technology and like what will actually happen. And those are two different things. Yeah. And like we can't predict yeah. what's actually going to happen. Like we don't have the answers right. to that. But we're sort of talking about general trends we see in the community, things that we've yeah. seen. Um, I mean, we're both very active in the community, but sort of yeah. like on that point, another thing that I have been seeing a lot of talk on and hope to see more movement towards next year is transitions like page transitions and oh, animations yes. yes because that i mean we've had tools in react like and in view and there's different like react motion we've talked about it on the show before yeah um and those are all great and they have like a solid usage like they have a solid like fan base <laughs> i guess um <laughs> there's a cow path there that has been paved yeah so that's an area that i also hope to see more movements in to, into next year around mm -hmm. um because i think it's really important to have a better sense of like digital sort of mapping when you're on like an app yeah. or a web experience yeah I, I think uh once you know sometimes people will re reference striped as kind of this you know hallmark for like well well-designed applications um like people always rave about their website and the, the dashboard I think as we get more and more um, applications like Stripe um, who are pushing design forward, we'll see these t more pickups of things like animated transitions, uh, cooler who do you things just because people are like, oh yeah, this is possible and uh, our users love it, right? And there's a certain amount of user delight that happens with these things. Yeah. And so um, I'll be excited to see some of this more happen. Me too. Um, I, I'm personally very curious on if there'll be more people like me um, who um, started doing mobile development and really enjoyed it and seeing it, if there's more people who transition a little bit off off the web platform onto native platforms, um, especially with like React Native and Windows Native uh, or the React Native for Windows that Microsoft created, mm -hmm. um, which lets you create a native Windows application with React. Um, I'm curious to see how that thing uh, develops. Svelte also has something called NativeScript, which is um, similar, which is supposed to be Svelte for, um, for, for native environments. And so I'll be curious to see if that um, continues to trend upwards. Um, I was talking with a friend who has spent a bunch of time with Swift, SwiftUI. And SwiftUI is, is very heavily based on some of the patterns off of React. Um, but he was like, yeah, you know, I'm still more productive on React Native than I am on Swift, despite the fact that Swift is a native language. And so um, I'll be curious to see if that if that trend keeps on going. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see that. I feel like there has been a convergence and I would assume that that would continue because why why would any company want to have a separate engineering team for mobile and a separate engineering team for web when they could have one team that does both well? At this point, it hasn't been something you can do well. So, yeah. you know, I don't I don't think next year that's going to be solved, but I can just yeah. I can't imagine in the future like 20 years from now that this isn't a solved problem. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is one of those things where you're like, "Oh, if only iOS supported PWAs, then I could just write my PWA and it would be fantastic everywhere." Um there's a lot you can do though. Thanks. There's a lot you can do. Thanks, with Apple. Web tech. Um. And like, what do you mean by like iOS doesn't support PWAs? There's a lot of there's a few features that doesn't support 
but yeah, it does um, support so, like you can save to home screen and have but not a PWA. but not in the app store, right? Right. Um, you right, can the you can store. publish PWAs to app stores on, on on different platforms, but not on mm -hmm. not on iOS. Um, yeah. Okay. So the app store. Yeah. How's your because, app because going, like, by the way? So it's going slowly. Uh, I I've spent my time moving the last two weeks as opposed to developing it, but. Uh, Oh yeah, you uh, moved. I started again. Start Chris moved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, by the way, I moved. Uh, I started again like yesterday, and it's been it's been fun to go back into it. It is one of those things, but you know, I, um, you know, having your app live in the app store is just so important for like its its life cycle, I guess. You know, because like you know, it's hard to discover random things on the web, especially for for apps. It's, it's the first place yeah. what people look for. Um, you know, Windows. Um, and Google kind of actively, you know, pushed for PWAs in their app stores. Um, but, you know, Apple has been like, no, no, thank you. So, I don't know. Uh, um, I think I think if, if Apple's app store supported PWAs, you'd see a lot of people just shipping out PWAs because, be, because why not, right? You can just build your, your web app, make it responsive, make it PWA. Yeah. Um, have it appear on every platform. Darn Apple! Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of application platforms, I do want to thank OutSystems again as we're uh, nearing the end of our episode for being our sponsor. You can get started with OutSystems. Today, you can sign up for your own free personal environment and you'll have your first app built in no time. You know, speaking about apps. And you can go to outsystem.ms slash tools day. That's outsystems on the .ms domain slash tools day. So it's out, S-Y-S-T-E dot M-S slash tools day to get started today. So to wrap this conversation up, Chris, what is the thing that you are probably most excited about going into next year? We're not talking about 20 years now. We're talking about like the future, yeah. what you see, what's coming, what are you stoked about? Well, in the next four months, I'm very excited about Remix.run, uh, Ryan Florence and Michael Jackson's um, React framework. It should hit general availability in the next few months. And if you haven't checked it out before, it's currently a paid-only product that they're shipping, but it's like a, um, a really, really cool approach to building applications. It's uh, It's got the whole SSR plus client-side hydration, but you know there are a lot of things that if you've used Next before, can be kind of irritating, especially around the routers that Remix kind of solves, and it's super easy to deploy to various providers. And so, uh, the next four months, I'm very excited about that. Wow, I've not heard of that, so I'll have to check it out when it launches publicly, or however it's launching in four months. Yeah, they're doing they're doing they're doing an interesting thing where they are. It's not it's not open source. Uh, it's a paid product. Um, and so I'll be actually super curious to see how it does in the marketplace huh. against, you know, Next, which is which is yeah. free. Um, but, you know, uh, more power to them to um, for for charging a price for their for their mm, work. Yeah. Good for them. Um, I'm really excited about a lot of the work that Miriam Suzanne's been doing lately. Ooh. So she's been working on specs for the W3C and those specs include scope styles and figuring out what container queries look like and a bunch of really interesting um, additions to the web platform. So I'm definitely excited to see where that goes, sort of saying like uh, trying to keep a loop, keep in the loop, stay in the loop on all of it um, because I think that that's going to really change a lot for styling on the web. Um, tons mm -hmm. of updates coming for CSS, like nesting as well. Um, I hope to see color functions. I don't know if that's going to happen next year, Ooh. but yeah, 
there's so much that's sort of like in the web platform that I am stoked about. So I think that what I'm most excited about is native affordances. And hopefully we'll see some form control styling next year too. Um, yeah. I don't know if it'll be next year, but there's some better drop movement. downs, please. Uh, yeah, there's movement uh, on the native front. So that's what I'm excited about. And that's what I get to do for my job now is live in that world. So yay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's yeah. That's all we have uh, for this year. Oh my gosh! Oh my um, well, enjoy the rest of your holidays if you're listening to this in the next five days, and if you're listening to it in early 2021. I hope that you have a great year. I hope that no matter when you're listening to this, you're having a better time than you did in 2020. <laughs> Fingers crossed for us all. Fingers and, crossed, and we'll and be yay back for the web and web tech moving yes. forward. Uh, right. And we'll be back early early January. We'll be back next year. We'll see y'all then. Yeah. All right. If you're interested in sponsoring our show, reach out to us, dear at gmail.com. Thank you ahead of time. Bye.